Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. From a customer experience perspective, it then says, who's your target audience? And how do you associate with that target audience? So by saying something controversial, by putting something out there that is perceived as negative by one group of people, could be perceived by another group of people as being positive or, or telling the truth or you know, sticking it to the man or whatever it may be. The net effect seemed to be, though, that there were lots of people like you, Colin, who had never heard of this site. And some of them, not you, Colin, but some of them said, wait a minute, that's a thing? Like, <laughs> there's a website that, had, that can allow me to do this? Yeah. And so for them, just the attention was the problem that impeded their growth. And so getting more people to know about them solved the problem. What I'm trying to point out is you could look at those comments as being bad news and, and not everyone's going, Colin, that's a great idea. I really agree with you on that. Because that doesn't actually engender any debate or any insights or any conversation. And actually, you know, that negative review can actually mean that people support things. So Ryan, when I started Beyond Philosophy back in 2002, obviously nobody knew of us, you know, and since then, obviously a number of people know of us now. And part of that has been through implementing one of Oscar Wilde's phrases, which is, there's only one thing worse than being talked about, and that's not being talked about. So, you know, the great thing is that what we've done is we've just put lots and lots of material out there. We've written books. You and I obviously wrote the last book, The Intuitive Customer, together. Put lots of blogs out there. You know, back in those days, I have to say it wasn't called content marketing, but that's what it is labeled as now. So today we're going to talk a bit about this sort of whole area of attention and communications and all the rest of it. So do you want to pick up from the technical part and then we can I can talk a bit more from the what you actually need to go away and start thinking of and doing. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, this is this is an old question, right? I mean, it goes back to Oscar Wilde, but a lot of people talk about this in marketing and business and politics. Is any press good press? So like, is it enough that people are talking about you or can even bad news or bad press help you? And this is a difficult question to disentangle. Like, when is it okay for people to be saying negative things about you rather than saying nothing at all? I think for me, part of that answer is, is it depends how bad it is, doesn't well, it? That, that for yeah. sure will, will affect things. It is a nuanced answer to that question because the answer is not always yes or always no. The answer is as many things it is. It depends, right? So I'm sure one of the things that depends on is just how negative that news is. There's actually been some interesting research on this. There's a, a professor at, at Wharton, a friend of mine named Jonah Berger. He wrote a book called Contagious about how ideas spread. And he did a research paper, which was really cool. They looked at New York Times reviews of books. 
And they were then able to track that and correlate it with sales statistics. And they were able to look at kind of how positive or negative the reviews were of each book. So, you know, your book is reviewed in the New York Times. That's great news for you as an author. But sometimes the reviewers love the book and sometimes the reviewers do not like the book. What does that do to subsequent sales? And they found that there wasn't a clear answer. So it's not that, I mean, obviously it's better to get a good review than a bad review, but negative reviews didn't always hurt people. And they they found that the key distinguisher was how well known the author was beforehand. So if it's an established author, if Malcolm Gladwell writes another book, David Brooks, or, or somebody who's written a lot, and then there's a negative review in the New York Times, that will damage sales. So that's bad news. But if it's an unknown author, if this is their first book or their first major book, and they get a review in the New York Times, that actually boosts sales. And not by a little bit either. They found that it increased sales about 40% to get a negative review in the New York Times. Now, obviously, it's better if you get a positive review, but even the negative review helped. So getting any form of review helps. That's right, yeah. So the idea that any press is good press, not always. But if you are unknown, it may do better for you to get negative press than to get no press at all. Sure. So, you know, I, I've learned a few things over the period of time that we've established beyond philosophy. So I've been interviewed on TV and radio on a number of different occasions. And the thing I've learned there has been that what they want, two things they want, is they want an opinion. And ideally, they want a bit of controversy. So particularly in England, when you watch the news, they have two different conflicting views. And there's nothing better than the interviewer taking out the pin, throwing it in the middle of the room, and then just sitting back and, you know, in other words, answering a question, asking a question, and then the two of them having at it, basically. Here's two sharpened sticks. You guys go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, that's great because you're getting two different views of, of life. And one thing that I've noticed was that when I've been, if I've been interviewed singly on uh, TV or radio, then the good journalists take up the contrary view. So, you know, they don't sit there and agree with you. They sit there and challenge you and push you and ask you difficult questions, which is their job. What I've also learned is not to get upset about it. <laughs> you know, when they turn around and go, well, I totally disagree with that. And you go, well, that, you know, that may be your opinion, but blah, 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 blah. So I think for me, part of it is that if you want to get yourself out and you want to get yourself known, A, you've got to have an opinion, Yeah because otherwise, why would anybody come to you at the beginning? And the second part is you've got to be a little controversial as well, because if you're saying the same thing as everybody else, you're certainly not going to get in the New York Times, are you? Yeah, I mean, there's actually, there's been more research on this as well. And actually, I think Jonah Berger, again, from Morton, who has done some of this as well, and, and you're absolutely right, stuff that is controversial is what tends to get shared online. I mean, people forward articles or post articles of stuff that they, you know, agree with. But the stuff that gets talked about also is the stuff that is controversial, that expresses kind of contrary views, because that's informative. Sure. And I, I think it's a bit like, because it's interesting you say that, because when we look at 
I'm going to reveal some of our marketing strategy to to people now. We've always tried to be at the the cutting edge of customer experience. So we've always tried to be the ones that are sort of pushing the boundaries. In my first book, I was talking about, you know, customers have emotions and this whole emotional experience. That's caught on recently, but it's taken an incredible amount of time. But I remember at the time, everyone going, you're mad, you know, that that's not the case. And I was having lots of debates with, with people. But what our strategy has always been, has been to push the subject to be seen as thought leaders. And part of that is therefore, it means that you need to come up with more thoughts. And just taking back from what you're saying, it's not just about retweeting other people because that doesn't say that you've got an original thought it just says i'm just echo chambering somebody else's thought that they've had rather than being the originator of that thought which is what we try to do and we try to do on these podcasts as well hi this is colin shaw i'm really pleased to announce the launch of my seventh book which i've called happy employees make happy customers The book is about the interconnection between happy employees and a great customer experience. I explain how you can go about building a great employee experience that drives a great customer experience. For my podcast listeners, I'm also pleased to provide you with a special offer of a third off the regular price. All you have to do is to go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash happy. That's beyondphilosophy.com dot com backslash happy and in the promotional code simply type happy podcast that's happy podcast i really hope you enjoy the read i mean a a lot of this goes back to something we talked about a few weeks ago when we had an episode on communication and it's you know kind of what is your need as an organization what's your goal there are instances where the goal should be to generate attention, right? And so, you know, going back to this unknown author question, the fact that's, that you're in the New York Times is some signal of quality. <laughs> the fact that you were worthy of a review, even a negative review, means something and it informs people that your book exists. And so f- if your point is attention, then all of that is important and, and there's this net benefit to you. Then another example, which is kind of terrifying... Do you remember the Ashley Madison scandal? No. So there was this website that exists specifically to facilitate extramarital affairs. So people who are are married can go on this site and kind of, it's kind of a dating site for people who are married and want to cheat on their spouses. And there's this big scandal where hackers- I'm glad I I say I didn't know that. I know, that was was very- That was very smart thing for you to claim that you'd never no. heard anything of. Yeah. Notice how quick well, I said that as well. Exactly. No, why? What have you heard? Um, <laughs> there, we actually, we can verify that you didn't know because there was this data breach there. Hackers went in and stole all the contact information and then posted it online. And so there were actually a handful of minor celebrities and people in sensitive positions whose information was was posted and they were shown to be subscribers to this site. It's very embarrassing for a number of people. What was interesting is after the data breach, the subscriptions to Ashley Madison actually went up, which is terrifying right? from a data perspective. 
People should have been fleeing from this. Instead, it drew people into the site. And they, so this really negative press, people were talking about this, how embarrassing it was for these people to get caught. The net effect seemed to be, though, that there were lots of people like you, Colin, who had never heard of this site. And some of them, not you, Colin, but some of them said, wait a minute, that's a thing? Like <laughs> There's a website that, ha- that can allow me to do this? Yeah. And so for them, just the attention was the problem that impeded their growth. And so getting more people to know about them solved the problem. That's not the problem for all organizations, though. No, but I guess that that also ties into sort of ties into the values doesn't it because it may be negative to ashley madison have no value (laughs) go ahead what were you that was your point well i was actually thinking about more environmental groups or something like that so they may be being controversial which is doing something bad for that people perceive is bad i don't know so in london recently some environmental groups have been stopping traffic blocking traffic so you could argue that's really bad from you know a group of people yeah, that want to travel around london but you could also go that's really good news for people that believe in environmentalism and therefore you know it's good that that subject's being being raised so i guess it depends on where you're coming from and i guess from a customer experience perspective it then says who's your target audience and how do you associate with that target audience? So by saying something controversial, by putting something out there that is perceived as negative by one group of people, could be perceived by another group of people as being positive or, or telling the truth or you know sticking it to the man or whatever it may be. Yeah, no, I mean, it goes back to the, the same questions that we keep you know, asking again and again, you know, who is your customer? What is driving their decision-making? And then therefore, what are your organizational goals to try to address that? And if it is just about kind of knowledge, attention, do people know that you exist and do they kind of remember you, then even bad press can help. Obviously, it's always better to get good press. You know, there's this silver lining effect where you're not necessarily sunk if you get some bad press it's still going to be better to get good press. But importantly, if if attention is not the goal, then bad press is just bad, right? So people already know you exist. I think for some of these environmental organizations, that may be the question they need to ask. Do people already know about the message? Do people already know these organizations exist? In that case, bad press is likely not helping them. Sure. But I think it's also about this bit about what do you stand for? So let me give you an example. Because I'm high profile on LinkedIn, I get a number of comments, okay, on the blogs that I put up. And sometimes I get trolled. I mean, I use different accounts. So (laughs) it's not clear that it's me. But yeah. Yes, I can tell that they're you because they say from the axe collector and things like that. Yeah. But one piece of advice that a guy gave me some time ago, I forgot his name now, he, again, was talking about controversy because he's he basically said, look, you know, when you're in these situations where, here's an example, I wrote a blog about restaurants and I wrote a blog and this blog was effectively saying, here are three things that I hate in a restaurant. And one of them is that when a waiter, so the waiter takes your food order they come back with the food 
and then they ask you who ordered the steak and who ordered the chicken and you go I told you that five minutes ago. You wrote it on a piece of paper. You know, it's not rocket science that you should be able to come along and and put, you know, what I've ordered in front of me, yeah? And that, for me, is like a differentiator between a good experience in a restaurant and a bad experience in a restaurant or, or an average experience in a restaurant. Anyway, the long and short of it, you wouldn't believe the comments I got <laughs> from people who had been wait staff okay, who complained vehemently that I was attacking underpaid, underappreciated people. And the point I was trying to make is, no, I'm not. This is not your fault. This is your manager's fault. Because if you're telling me that you're too busy to do something as simple as that, then that's fine. But what you actually need to do is you need to get your manager involved or your manager needs to recruit more people. You know? So it's not your issue, it's a management issue. But this this rattled on for weeks. I'll put the link into the blog that we do of this. But the long and short of it was that what I then did, which was to then send out some social media tweets going, so do you agree with me? Do you think that this is a good idea? Do you think this is a management issue? Do you think this is, you know, just uh, lazy people? So again, being controversial, but it got people to start to think about the message. And the message really was, I was trying to get over was, A, this is a poor experience and B, it's not necessarily the wait staff that's the problem. It's management that's the problem because they haven't got enough resources to enable the wait staff to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, or a systems problem where they're not facilitating that for the the wait staff who have lots of other things on their mind. Yeah, but but you intentionally fed the trolls in order to generate more discussion, more attention. Yes. So the thing on LinkedIn tends to be that LinkedIn you tend to get nicer comments. To be totally honest with you. And I think part of the reason for that is that they know that prospective employees <laughs> are going to be. But you look at some of the stuff on Twitter, and it's just appalling the way that some of the people, the way people get trolled and stuff like that. But we're going off topic slightly. What I'm trying to point out is you could look at those comments as being bad news, and and not everyone's going, Colin, that's a great idea. I really agree with you on that. Because that doesn't actually engender any debate or any insights or any conversation. And actually, you know, that negative review can actually mean that people support things. This doesn't mean to say that you've got to go onto my LinkedIn account (laughs) and put loads of negative reviews. If you want to, that's entirely up to you. Okay, so is there, what, what is it that people should do, Ryan? And a normal question of, of so what? What is it that people should do? I mean, high level, know what your goals are. So, you know, if your goals are attention, then realize that controversy and, you know, even negative press can do you good in, in the long run. If you have other goals, persuasion, attractiveness, these kinds of things, then, you know, things like negative press are going to be much more damaging. So know who your customer is and and kind of what those organizational goals are and plan accordingly. So is any press good press? Only sometimes and for some people. Yeah. And I I think I'd build on that. You know, if you're like we were, which is trying to establish yourself, 
then one of the things, the way of doing that is by being controversial, yeah, because that gets people noticed. But I would reiterate what I said earlier, and the so what for me is, you've got to have an opinion. If your opinion is the same as everybody else's opinion, then it's just going to get lost in the noise. I've always loved, and I repeat it time after time, but, you know, Oscar Wilde, there's only one thing worse than being talked about, and that's not being talked about. It clearly is. There's some degrees in that. You don't want really negative press. Being controversial, having an opinion, generating that discussion, I think, is an important aspect of all of this. And that's what I would encourage people to do, particularly if you're a consultant trying to get in this game. I get a lot of contact from consultants who have just started in the field and ask my advice on you know, what they should do, how they should go about it. And my my biggest advice to them is always, you got to have an opinion and you got to get your opinion out there and it's got to be different. Otherwise, you're just one of 27 million different consultants that are out there saying the same thing. And apparently the shortest road to that goal is to offend wait staff. <laughs> yes, very true, very true. And the only issue with doing that is I can't go into any restaurant and get served now. <laughs> and inexplicably... The food ends up in my lap now as they trip over as they deliver the food. They've got your picture now in the in the kitchen on the wall. That's it. That's it. So thanks very much, everyone, for listening. If you want to contact us, if you want any, if you've got any suggestions of anything that we could do for the future, then we're always happy to listen to our listeners. We've got a few of those episodes coming up. So just contact us at contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com or just go onto our website, beyondphilosophy.com and go to the contact page and, and drop, us a, drop us a message. Thanks very much. I'm off to go down the restaurant. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton, but it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.